Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you want to help people with their problems... Let's talk about eyes. Not those eyes. <sighs> this is Wretched Radio. What is biblical counseling? When you boil it down, it is helping people with their problems. And that is why we would do well to understand the eight eyes, not what's in your sockets. Not hiring somebody who goes taking pictures of somebody that you suspect is doing something bad. Instead, these are the eight vowel eyes that will help you help people with their problems. That's what biblical counseling is. We have a tendency to think biblical counseling is helping people with their sin. Well, that can be a problem, but there are more problems. There's conundrums. Some people are stuck. They've got emotional issues. They've got a decision to make. They don't know how to process it and go about making a biblical decision. Biblical counseling is a big problem-solving tool. And the first step in biblical counseling, therefore, is making sure that the person actually believes the Bible. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with somebody who's not a Christian, to apply the Bible to them, just forget about it. Really, just forget about it. Because they they don't want to accept. Because biblical counseling is not about just... I think people have a tendency when they go looking for help, they they want a silver bullet. They want to go to a conference. They want to hear the thing that causes them to go click. That's it. That's the key. That's opened up the door of my understanding to my issue. Ah, I'm better now. Might I suggest also, I think that that is a malady for a lot of young people, when it comes to living the Christian life, this is something I'm noodling a lot because, well, not only am I writing a book on the subject, also getting ready for a presentation in September to young people about how to be a Psalm 1 man or woman. And I think I think one of the reasons that so many, especially younger, but all of us can struggle with whatever the problem is, is because we really just, we, we would like it to be quick and fast. And whatever the teaching is for confronting my problem, whatever that means, I, I want it to happen like, boom. I, I want to see cause, effect. I want to see Bible verse, solution. I, I want to see unstuck, stuck, stu- just stuck to unstuck right now. And it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. It, it took you a while to get into whatever the bog is that you're currently stuck in, it's going to take you a while to be extracted from that. Furthermore, applying God's word to your life, it is not like a lightning bolt. It is not shazam, boom, you're fixed. But it does take something. It, that, that, that's why understanding that, it takes commitment. Are you going to commit to doing things God's way or not. Because if you'll commit, 
overall, you have the proverbial promise. You might be the Job exception, but you have the proverbial promise. If you will basically adhere to God's precepts, life is going to go well. Not immediately, necessarily. Could. Not necessarily. You, you stick with it. You, you, you keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And I, I can say confidently that even if your circumstances don't change, your heart will. And you'll be able to understand those things. I, I don't know why, but lately it seems that it's providence, obviously. I don't know that I don't think there's any more meaning beyond it than this. Sometimes we go through a season where we get emails on the same theme. And the one that I've received, not once or twice, but multiple times in the last couple of weeks is, my life is worthless. Mm. I I actually, I do suspect that that's a trend. I, I think that is going on a lot because of our current cultural climate and Christians are not immune to those temperatures. Uh, they, 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 they are low. They, 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 they just, death would be fine because there's no point to this. All right. How, how is that person going to move from that place? Because I'm thinking of, of several of the emails what I do for a living is just, it's just nah, nothing. I mean, it's nothing job. Hold on. No, it's not a nothing job. No, you might not like the job. I get that. And I don't think there's any reason you can't go looking for a job that's more satisfying. But you need a theology change. You are working under the Lord. Remember, there is no distinction between sacred and secular. For the Christian, everything you do, everything you do is sacred. Now, in a way, it can be anti-sacred when you sin, but you are not doing something that is exclusively secular. Everything about the Christian life has eternal implications. Everything, even a crummy job. Now, this, this category of people has lived a life that has not been very satisfying, and they're very low. Let me give you... God works all things for our good. Now, stop it. It's ridiculous. It's going to take time. But in order for them to make that progress, there need to be, well, several, but we'll just talk about two components. Number one, there has to be a belief that God's word is the solution to their problem. The person has to be a Christian to believe that. Second, they have to believe that if I will persist in developing these new habits, new ways of processing, new ways of thinking, that even if my circumstances don't change, I never get a new job, I'll change. I'll be different. I'll be joy-filled, even though this occupation is anything but joyful itself. Biblical counseling demands that an individual is a believer to be certain, because we're talking about heart change here. We're not talking about circumstance change. We're talking about heart change. And, and to have a heart change, there must be a belief that says, yes, the, the Word of God is just that, the Word of God. And there needs to be a commitment. Yeah. All right. Whatever the Word says, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do it. And I'm not going to expect that if I do it once, all of a sudden, it's going to be better. 
You see this in marriages all the time. It's an acrimonious couple. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And the person hears a sermon about being kind, a, a gentle law where it turns away wrath. Do something kind for somebody. You'll be just amazed at how that can thaw them out if they're chilly. So the guy goes, gets flowers. She goes and gets a new wrench set because we want to be as stereotypical as possible here on Wretched Radio. And they give him the gift. And the fighting doesn't stop. I, hey, I gave flowers, right? I gave him a wrench set. It was a socket set to boot. And, and it even came with screwdrivers. That should have fixed. No, doesn't work that way. Same thing is true with your Christian walk. Psalm 1 is fascinating to me. This is, this is I'm, I'm pretty certain this is going to be the impetus of the presentation for the young adults that I get to address in September. Psalm 1 describes a man who focuses on the precepts of God. He walks in them. You can't help but read Psalm 1 and not think about Psalm 119. You can't help it. I love the word. I love its precepts. I love doing what I'm told to do. I love God's word. I delight. I revel in it sweeter than honey. So that's the Psalm 1 man. And the consequence of that fellow is that overall life goes good, like a tree planted by a river. That doesn't mean there'll never be any challenges. The wind's going to blow. But overall, you're going to prosper. Not so the ungodly man sitting in the seat of scoffers doesn't go well for them. Now, here's, here's where I think a lot of us, young or old, deceive ourselves. We think that we are being a, the, the first guy in Psalm 1. Well, you know, I go to church and mm-hmm. are you fully committed to that? What, what the Bible teaches? Fully, totally submissive to it? Or are you, but I still, look, I still want to hang, I can hang out with the cool people I, I can I can still do those activities because, you know, I've got one foot into the the church world, and I would say to you, no, you don't. You don't have you don't have one foot in the church. You can't have one foot in the church world. You you either have both feet or you're out. You're either all in or you're not. Now maybe you're a Christian. You're genuinely a believer, and you've gone well. I've kind of been frittering around. I'm just fraternizing with the enemy here a little bit, and. Hey, I don't, I don't want to have both feet there. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? No, it means you need to repent and plant both feet on top of God's word and commit to it. This is it. I am staking everything on this. Whatever it tells me to do, even if it's hard, even if I do not see an immediate benefit from it, I'm going to do it. Why? Because that's the best way. Because it's God's way, and it does come with general, not ironclad, but general promises. Be a born-again Christian, submit to the Word of God, and overall, you will experience fewer problems. Let's study the eight eyes to overcome those issues, shall we? Next on Wretched Radio. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at pre-born centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Gregory of Nyssa was an opponent of Arianism at the Council of Constantinople in 381. He wrote a book called Not Three Gods, explaining that there is one God in three persons. Each member of the Trinity is fully God with all the divine attributes, yet each member of the Trinity is a distinct person. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do we need to play this again? No, we don't. Are we going to? Yeah. The live version. Boy, that dude could sing, though. Man. This is Wretched Radio talking about the eyes. They shouldn't be private in the church. They should be well known. Confession. I think I saw private eye or Hall and Oates. <laughs> private. They're synonymous in that same year of the video that you're currently listening to. 
They opened for ELO. ELO had a hard time following. That's all I'm going to say about that. These are eight eyes that you and I would do well to remember regularly if we want to help people, including ourselves often, with our problems. Wayne Mack is the fellow who came up with this system that are all components of helping people solve their problems, a.k.a. applying biblical counseling. It starts, you got to have a relationship with somebody, so he calls it involvement. was listening to a podcast of a they were talking um it was about ai in the pulpit i think it had to do with that german church the lutheran church where they had a bot preach the sermon and i i didn't listen to the whole thing i actually only listened to about a minute cuz i had to scoot this woman was hosting the podcast and she she introduced a pastor all right jimmy this won't be a stretch you're going to play the role of the woman <laughs> introduce me and I'm going to try to do my impersonation of him. All right. And say nice things. Say nice things about, about me and okay. then introduce me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, all right. Um, this is hard, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of some nice things. You know, you know, how's about I'm a better gift giver than you? Well, you're definitely a... Why am I a better gift giver than you, Jimmy? <laughs> because you have extra an extra dollar than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Tell the story, Todd. The delight that I took in that. So I had a birthday recently. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jimmy, on his birthday that I had forgotten... The day before. The day before gives me a really nice gift certificate to a restaurant. Uh-huh. So I, of course, felt compelled to give him a gift back, shamefacedly. So I made it for a dollar more. <laughs> he did. He My certainly... gift is better than yours. So go ahead, introduce me. Uh, so uh, coming to that the... That was the best dollar you've ever spent. <laughs> I couldn't do anything but laugh. Oh. I am going to enjoy that dollar. <laughs> You can't get nothing for that dollar. (laughs) Okay, so coming to the pulpit is a guy that can talk really well. Janie, thank you so much. Janie. You're just such an encouragement, and what a blessing you are. And I I heard that guy, and I went, uh, I I don't sound like that. He just sounded genuinely warm, grateful. Thankful, that's involvement. When somebody hears you care. Now, you don't have to sound like that guy, and you don't have to sound like my impersonation of that guy. In fact, I hope you don't. But we have to do something that says, I'm for you. I got you. I'm in this with you. That's the first I. It's involvement. And if you don't have that with your teenager, that could be the very reason that you're struggling. Was 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 having a conversation about teenagers when their worldview goes wonky, with a number of Christians lately, these are good Christian parents that are are suddenly finding their kids to be different than the kids that they raised. And interestingly enough, by the way, it had a lot to do with cell phones, that they kept the cell phones away from the kids, ultimately had to give in and give them a cell phone because of whatever the reason was. And then suddenly their kid changed almost overnight. I'm telling you, social media is that powerful. And if you don't believe that, by the way, then believe the Toronto Zoo. Did you read this? I never thought that I would highlight so much in one particular story. Toronto Zoo asks visitors to stop showing phone videos to the gorillas. 
because it's negatively impacting them. Listen to these quotes. Because the content of cell phones could negatively impact the animals, quote, for the well-being of Gorilla Troop, please refrain from showing them any videos or photos as some content can be upsetting and affect their relationships and behavior within the family. You don't say. It even has an effect on gorillas. Nissar, one particularly affected gorilla, is so into those videos, it was causing him to be distracted and not interact with the other gorillas. You know, being a gorilla. He was so enthralled with gadgets and phones and videos. B-I-N-G-O. That's your kid. They get, the, they get the, look, I'm just telling you what I think even sociology and science supports. Those devices have negative effects and a Christian kid is not immune to those effects. More from the article, because it just, it's, this is like, this, this is, this is like a speed bag to the parent who has a teenager who has to have a cell phone, which I get it. We just want gorillas to be able to be gorillas. The zoo's website describes Nasir, the gorilla, born in 2009 as, quote, truly the epitome of a teenager, fascinated by videos. Hold on. Chicago Zoo. Guess what? They don't want the gorillas to have any screen time because it makes them ape distracted. 2022 a gorilla named Amare at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago experienced behavioral issues after being shown smartphones through a glass partition. So officials put up a rope to keep visitors a few feet away. Mom and dad, up to you, but you might want to put a rope somewhere around your kid in that cell phone because it's getting them. And if you're struggling to get them back, think about your relationship. This is, this is one of the easiest things to overlook. So you're raising a kid and they go to church. They've been pretty sweet. It's been good overall. They get the cell phone. They experience puberty. And all of a sudden, they believe something wonky. They're questioning their Christian faith. How do you react? Don't overlook involvement. Don't overlook your relationship with them. Because if you don't have that there, your words will be dead letter. In fact, it is almost a guarantee you will be esteemed as toxic. You will be an authoritarian who needs to just back off. I hear this from parents, regular, good Christian parents. Hey, um, honey, would you be kind enough to pass the salt? Back off, old man. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. it's <laughs> What is that? Where did that come from? You didn't raise them that way. Now, is there a desire in the human heart to throw off authority? Yes, there is. But this is, this is extreme. Where did it come from? I would suggest you social media played a huge role in it. Huge role. And if you're trying to overcome that, and they don't think that you're for them, that you that you sound caring, that that you're that you're that you want the best for them, it just won't work. You might want to examine that. And if you're not sure, ask them. Ask them. Honey, I want to talk to you about something. I want I want to know 
what you think about what I think about you. I want you to know that 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 I I, I want I want to know what you think about my attitude toward you, my emotions toward you, my affections toward you. Where do you think I'm at? And where do you think I'm at with just controlling you and with the rules? Now, I didn't say throw out the rules. I didn't say lose control. I'm just saying, if that's the totality of their understanding of you, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle a lot. Make sure you've got that relationship. Okay, so you've got this kid. And they bought into it hook, line, and sinker. You say, what's the that? Whatever it is that you're dealing with. They bought into, okay, evolution. They're starting to question the existence of God. They bought into radical feminism. They bought into CRT. If you don't have a relationship with them, I would actually suggest, I would go this far. I don't think that I would try to correct their thinking. If you don't have a relationship, don't bother. Just don't buy all you're going to do. It's going to wedge further and further. And in the meantime, while you're doing that and being unjustly authoritarian, you know what the social media is saying? Exactly. Get rid of them. Ditch them. Was reading, I've got it somewhere. Was reading an article by Dennis Prager. He was identifying the three reasons that kids ghost their parents. And the third one, I thought at first was like, really? But then it really actually made a lot of sense. A lot of teenagers and young adults ghost their parents because of, ready for this, politics. You voted for that guy? You believe that those people shouldn't have the right to? They're done with you. And that is, that is an observable pattern. And if you don't want to be a part of that mosaic, I might encourage you, before you just start teaching them about the biblical deficiencies of CRT, Whatever their their radical feminist ideology is, you better make sure you're involved. You better make sure you have a relationship and that they know you are for them. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. It appears that despite the best efforts of the critics and the naysayers who said people will flee Texas after their controversial abortion ban was implemented, well, it seems like they were wrong, as they usually are. The state's population is still growing. Yeah, who would have thought it? People are running to Texas, and it's more for the abortion ban. And the job opportunities and the low cost of living can't hurt either. But despite the prophecies that were shared, it appears that folks are not leaving Texas because they banned abortion after all. But let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story, though, shall we? And on to Iowa, where their heartbeat abortion law was designed, of course, to protect unborn babies. It's been blocked by a judge. The ban, of course, would have outlawed abortions like Texas's ban once a fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks of pregnancy. But it's been held up by none other than the friendly people at Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Ah, the champions of choice. They've successfully argued that protecting the beating heart is unconstitutional. Unless it's theirs, of course, which then I'm sure they would argue would be constitutional. Protect their life, but don't worry about those pesky unborn children. Now, shifting gears, here's a headline for you that will come as no shock or surprise. 
loneliness has been identified as a significant health threat. The Surgeon General's caught up with what most of us have known for a very long time, that we need each other. That's the way God designed the world. He did not design us to be separated and isolated, which coincidentally is what, air quote, social media has brought to our lives. And I don't anticipate a solution to the issue at all, at least not a quick one. We've got to relocate the value in actually walking outside our doors and engaging with people face to face again before any of these issues will begin to remedy themselves. Until then, social media, with all of its likes and shares and friends and followers, is actually playing its part in making people as lonely as they've ever been. And finally, a group of overzealous Muslims decided that they should add their voices to a Christian worship service in Indonesia recently. And when I say add their voices, I mean they barged in, disrupted the service, and caused quite a bit of fear and distress among the worshipers. The disruption was the second in two months suffered by this particular congregation. Indonesia is ranked 33rd on Open Doors 2023 World Watch List of the 50 countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And as we tell you almost daily here at Ratchet, please make sure that you're continuing to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, yep, and now, a more modern version. I see you do what you gotta do to keep touring this is wretched radio talking about just one of the eight eyes of biblical counseling that i think could be extremely helpful especially for you mom and dad or for you spouse you have got some distance growing between you and a loved one. One of the most overlooked aspects is the assumption that I feel the same way that they feel about this relationship. Mom and dad, it's just baked into us, isn't it? It's funny. My second daughter sent a text and it just said, I love you guys. That's all. I love you guys. And Mrs. Friel responded and said, I love you way more. And I responded and said, and I love you even more than mom does. That, because that's how we feel about them, which is, wow. They, so if you happen to be a child and you are languishing under your parents who are godly Christian parents, you need to get that. You need to understand that. Whatever you love in your life, it, it doesn't even come close to the complexity or the depth of love that your parents have for you. Mom and dad, they don't always know that. You assume that. I assume that I know how I feel about my kids. But do they know that? Because if we're growing apart, I've got to ask, I, I can't assume that they think 
that they are as loved as they actually are. Because I believe social media is screaming incessantly in their ears, they're idiots, they're toxic, they're authoritarian, get away, danger, Will Robinson. And they believe it. And you and I then would do well to start retilling some soil that we didn't think that was was stony, but it is. It is our relationship from Wayne Mack's book, The Practical Guide for Effective Biblical Counseling. This is really rubber on the road stuff. And now this is parent, child. This is spouse, sibling, what, whatever it is. We're given some godly suggestions from the Bible and how we are to increase in this area. For one thing, we can study the life of Christ. Highlight passages describing his compassion toward his people. Imagine how Jesus would talk to your kids. Have you ever tried that exercise? When you engaged with your child and stopped, did you ask the question ever, would Jesus have said it that way? I'm not even talking about content. I'm just talking about tone. Hey, hey, I've, how many times have I told you this? Do you think Jesus would talk that way? Do you think that Jesus talked that way to the people who were infirm that he healed? Come on, get your mat. Get up! Can't you just you can't hear it, can you? Study Jesus, and increasingly you become like Jesus. He was compassionate. He was caring, and people knew that he was for him. Okay, I'm reading a book that I haven't read in years by Chuck Swindoll. Suddenly one morning, and it's fascinating because I'm not gonna mention the chosen, but unlike say a mega popular putting words into the mouth of our savior TV show, suddenly one morning is the story of a shopkeeper in Jerusalem on Bethpage Avenue on Pentecost, or, or on, 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 on the day, not Pentecost, on Passover, when people are in town and there's a big hubbub out there on Bethpage Avenue. So he goes out to look and it's gleaning and looking and it's like this, this donkey, this young full, just staggering down this. There's a guy on top and they make eye contact and he describes what it was like. Now, please note, he never put words into the mouth of Jesus. We did hear a quote from Jesus, but it was actually taken from the Bible when he healed the woman who touched his garment. But Chuck Swindoll didn't put words into the mouth of the Savior. Nevertheless, the shopkeeper described it. He, 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 it's, it's like he's it's like he's looking through me and he knows me, but he's not judging me. No, I get it. This is fiction. I get it. But I don't think that's wild fiction because Jesus was compassionate. He was moved with compassion. He loved people. His mission, this is going to sound gloppy, his mission was love. Remember John 3, 16, the impetus, the, the impetus of the verse is not that Jesus died to save the world. That's in there. The oomph of John 3.16 is it is God's love, his overflowing love that compelled him to send his son on that mission because it's about the love of God. It is a love mission because Jesus died so that what? We might know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Do, do we really think that his eyes didn't convey that? That his tone didn't reflect that? I love you, people! It, it just it doesn't work. 
when we study Jesus, that is when we will become more and more like him, and our kids and our spouses are going to know it. Another means of acquiring deeper compassion in the way we treat others is to remind ourselves of our own need. So remember how much help we need. Another way to experience compassion is putting ourselves in their shoes. Think about what they're going through. This is this is so helpful when it comes to sin. I I've, I don't know that I've shared this story here. I I have it at Teach Them Diligently conference. Uh, for years, I just I could not understand why Mrs. Friel was not grateful for my culinary critiques, for walking into the kitchen and telling her what she's doing wrong. I do not understand why she did not appreciate my wisdom. And then one day she called and said, I've got it. I think I'm pretty certain it was Jack. I got to take Jack to the emergency room. He cut himself, whatever it was. Um, so please make dinner. Uh, the chicken, it is on the counter. It's stroking off. The recipe is right there. It's all cut up. You don't just put it together. And I thought, maybe I should take Jack to emergency care because I didn't want to do the cooking, but I did. And I started, and I don't mind telling you, I was killing it, nailing the stroganoff. Mm, I had the mixture of sour cream with the chicken soup stuff. I don't want to get all cuisine languagey with you, but it was the chicken soup stuff and the sour cream and the mushrooms. And I'd sauteed the chicken just right so it wasn't chewy. Why in laws, I'm putting everything together. In come Mrs. Friel and son from emergency. She walks into the kitchen, looks down, puts her finger into the, into the stew, tastes it, and then increases the heat. What do you think you're doing? And suddenly I realized why my wife doesn't receive my critiques all that well. Because it's like, I'm killing myself here. And you just kind of dip, 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 dip through the kitchen. And you're going to just turn it. I got this here. And suddenly I understood. Now, that doesn't mean that either of our reactions were necessarily right. But it helps me to get it. Do you remember when you were a teenager? Do you remember? Hmm? And sir, here's one for you. Okay, here's this. Don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to go all Andy Stanley on you. But sir, you're not a woman. And you and I don't know what it means to submit to your husband's authority. We know that's taught in the Bible. We know how we're supposed to do that, I hope. But that, that, that doesn't mean that I know what it's like to experience. Now, to a degree, I can because we've got government. We've got bosses. We've got teachers. I get that. But this is husband and wife. And just because, because of your gender... You're, at, you're commanded to submit. Do you know what that feels like? Without knowing that, maybe, just maybe, we don't know why our spouse responds the way that she does. Back to Wayne Mack. We must learn to see life through the eyes of those we long to disciple. What does life look like from their perspective? Listen. Take the time to sit where they sit before rushing in with our sage advice. Employ compassion before you open your mouth. In other words, walk a mile in their shoes before we engage to correct, to change, to help, whatever it is. Associate yourself with other compassionate people. Listen to them talk. 
the way that they speak to their kids, to their spouse. Emulate that. Another way for others is to view them as brethren, as part of our family. People at work, employees, whatever the relationship is, are they a brother and sister? Perhaps the best way to improve in the area of compassion is to ask for it. Lord, I want to be more compassionate. In other words, pray for it. Pray that you would be like Jesus, that you would be compassionate, that you would speak in a way that people immediately go, that person cares. I'm not saying get rid of your personality. I'm not saying that everybody needs to sound like the pastor that I just heard in a podcast who just sounded really nice. But however I communicated, I should be communicating compassion. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, if you're someone who supported our ministry in the past, I want to first of all, thank you for your generosity. You may not know this, but your gifts have helped us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But know this, we're not done yet. We will continue to stand firm in the gospel and reach even more people all over the world. And we want to do it with you. That's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. As you know, we exist to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and of course, to strengthen the local church. So would you consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner? That is only if you're not in debt and you're already giving to your local church. If those things are in order, then please consider joining us. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
Books of the Bible Amos was a shepherd called to prophesy during a time of prosperity in Israel and Judah. But this prosperity was accompanied by idolatry, extravagance, and corruption. When you consider the society you live in, Amos declares that God judges societies by His standard of righteousness. He hates all corruption and injustice. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's talk about how not to be compassionate. This is Wretched Radio, a subject that quite honestly, is hard for most of us to be genuinely warm, especially in the context of a relationship that is going south with behavior or treatment from somebody that is unkind or downright cruel. We have to show them compassion in order to affect change. According to Wayne Mack, and he knows whereof he speaks, the first eye of biblical counseling being involvement means that you've got a relationship with the person where they trust that you're for them. And there are ways that you can grow in compassion. We've discussed those. Let's talk about ways when you can not communicate compassion. Wayne Mack writes, compassion is shown in many other ways like offering encouragement, not pushing people too fast, speaking in a gracious manner, maintaining self-control in the face of insults. By the way, speaking of face of insults, watch your face when you're insulted. What are you saying? Believe me, you're a book and everybody can read what you're thinking when you've been insulted or you're upset. You can show compassion by defending people who are being mistreated, falsely accused, sacrificing time and money to help others. But here's what you shouldn't do. No smirking. No, no. Okay. Okay. So, son, let me just explain this to you again for the fourth time. None of that. Number two, interrupting them when they're talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got, got it. Got it. Got enough information. I got it. In fact, I was, re- hold on. This might be worth, I was reading. Oh, here it is right here. Psychology experts, the number one tool we teach to save any relationship from a disaster. This is on CNBC. It's a psychologist and a sexologist, whatever. We've spent a combined 50 years studying what makes relationships successful. No matter how you slice it, most of them fail because of poor communication. And I've heard that from biblical counselors. In fact, I think I just heard Greg Gifford. Was he talking about, was I watching a transformed episode? I get confused between reality and the TV series we produce. Communication, communication, communication. Lou Priolo focuses on that. He will literally, in counseling, he helps people talk. All right, I want you to ask him, her, this question. So Lou will say something like, uh, I I want you to ask, tell me precisely how you feel when I come home late. So what's your problem with me coming home late? I didn't know that. No, let's go back. We're going to do that again. We're going to do that again. And he actually teaches them to communicate. And this particular article, like a blind shed that finds itself right twice a day in the knife of a squirrel or something, They're right because this is biblical. They say one of the best things you can do is 
listen to reflective listening. That's what the Bible teaches. I don't, I don't need a sexologist or a psychologist to tell me that. I've got the Bible to tell me. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Do that. Don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. No yawning. No using Bible verses as a hammer or club over their heads. This is easy to do because if, you're de- if your home is saturated with Christianity and Christ and the Word, could be really easy. Ah, okay. Nurture your wife, huh? So big boy, you think you're being nurturing, right? Gotta go. You just don't use it as a cut. You might be sinning in that way, that's certain, but you can't hammer them. Accusing them of impure motives, especially without proof. Speaking to somebody in a scoffing, demeaning, or disrespectful manner. Acting disinterested when they're talking. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your watch. Isn't that one of the biggest slights of all time? Really? You're at dinner, you're talking to somebody, and they just pick up their phone like, yeah, I got I to gotta check this. I'm not as interested in you as I am and what might be in here for me. Don't, don't do that. If, if you're going to try to correct somebody, you better, you better schedule the time. Don't make a joke out of their concerns. Hold on. Those would be the verbal things you shouldn't do. Wayne Mack identifies some nonverbal ways to communicate interest in a counselor, which means the verbal cues can be misused. So here's what he suggests. Squared shoulders, open stance, lean forward, make eye contact, be relaxed, but physically show Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, tell me more. I'd like to know. I'd like to hear this. You're showing compassion. Involvement is established through genuineness and honesty. Other principles involved in demonstrating interest and attention can be shown by taking the other person's problems seriously. Now, you've you've got some big problems, sir. Okay, let's address husbands for a moment. You you feel the financial pressures of the home. You know the credit card, what's coming up. You've, you've, you've got a, 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 a balance issue, that's t- and you've got a timing issue because of that bonus that could be coming in. And your son or daughter goes, oh. so I babysat the other day for four hours, and I only got like $80. Yeah, well, let me just tell you about money problem. You don't do that because it minimizes whatever their grievance, their concern, their struggle, their problem is. So don't brush it off. Don't blow it off. Be warm, friendly, refuse to be domineering, manipulative by giving the person the benefit of the doubt, commending the person's strengths, efforts, virtues, and successes. These are all things that we should be doing with one another. And by the way, these one another should be done with one another in the context of the local church and in your home. They are both schools of character because they force you to either be Christ-like or not, or to go bonkers with sinful people. Be honest about your knowledge of a subject. Be honest that you maybe need to go think this through. Don't just blop what you think that they should hear. 
if in the course of counseling you must misunderstand, make a mistake, are confused, or make a misstatement, be honest about those things as well. Admit them. And as for forgiveness, do you need to do that with your spouse or kids? Have you ever given them advice that was just bad? Have you cleaned up that mess? This is, this is another big deal. Communication is big and repentance is another biggie inside of relationships because a family that doesn't repent, that doesn't communicate well, chances are really good. They're going to be struggling. So here's a summary from Wayne Mack. Practical ways to demonstrate compassion and respect for the person you're trying to help. <sighs> Remain alert, attentive, practice active listening. The, the, the sexologist called it reflective listening. Wayne Mack beat you to it. This is like 30, 40 years old. Practice active listening. Don't let your mind wander. Express interest with your face, eyes, body posture. Smile appropriately. Weep appropriately. Be on time. Be sensitive to their schedule. Display gentleness when opposed. Ooh. How do you do in that one? Your spouse opposes you. Do you respond gently? Let the person talk before you share. Don't give up. Maybe you need to hear that, mom and dad or spouse. Express optimism and a positive attitude about God's ability to help your counselee. Uh, that that that's that's another one of the eyes. By the way, it's inspiration. It's the second eye. You gotta let. There's power. There's power in Christianity. You gotta know that. Speak in warm, gentle tones. Express appreciation for them, their strengths, their efforts, their changes, the progress, the evidence of God's working in their life. Take your their problems seriously. Never make light of somebody's concern. Be available. Leave notes. Give them a call. Check in with them, offer support in a non-judgmental kind of way. These are all things that are just these. This is biblical wisdom. This is Christ-like behavior, and it's going to help you to help somebody. They receive it better from a person like this. Pray for the person, encourage them to call if they're having troubles. How can I help you in the future? These are all ways that you and I can become a more compassionate person. Now. If we're not being thoughtful, what you've just heard now for the last hour, there's been a lot of do's, a lot of do's, do it, do it, like be like this, do that. In other words, you just heard a lot of law and there's nothing wrong with that. Unless, of course, that's all Christianity is. Why should you do these things? Because this is what your God has done and does with you. That's why you are, you are treated so compassionately. God stoops, he condescends, he pities. He, he, he did walk a mile in our shoes for 33 years. And let me tell you something, those were not pretty shoes and those were not pretty places to walk. That is what should motivate us to be compassionate. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>